Welcome back to the Heal Your Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle. And in today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about my tongue-tied journey, which I have talked about on Instagram a little bit, but it is really so interesting to me because it didn't really come on my radar until a few months ago. And you may be thinking, like, what does a tongue-tie have to do with hormones? Not really anything, but I think it's really interesting. I think that it's more common than we think, and it could be contributing to your symptoms. And some of the symptoms that are associated with tongue ties, like headaches, fatigue, anxiety, some of those may be mistaken as hormone symptoms. So you may have heard of tongue ties in regards to babies. So when a baby has a tongue tie, essentially it means that they have a piece of skin or piece of tissue that is connecting their tongue to the bottom of their mouth. And in some babies, this tongue tie can be so severe that it can prevent them from feeding well, especially if they're trying to breastfeed. So if the tongue tie is severe enough in babies, what they'll do is they'll do a small snip and they'll fix the tongue tie so the baby can feed properly and grow. Now, not everyone who has a tongue tie is going to have it so severe that it is caught and corrected as a baby. And that is the case with me. I was able to feed fine. I was bottle fed. And so it was never caught. And essentially what's happening is that there is, I have that piece of tissue underneath my tongue that is connecting my tongue to the bottom of my mouth and it's essentially pulling my tongue down. Now, I've always known this has been there, but I had no idea that everyone didn't have it. And when I started to look at pictures online, and now I'm a weirdo and I literally go around and I ask my friends to lift their tongues up so I can look underneath, but seeing what people's tongues are supposed to look like, it is mind-blowing. But essentially, I first heard about tongue ties maybe four to five months ago. I follow a girl, Holly Owens. Her Instagram account is Wealthy Belly. And she lives in LA. She's very into wellness. I think her and I would be like best friends if we met in real life. We're very similar in kind of like once we get fixated on a health thing, we really see it through. So she started talking about her tongue tie and how, you know, it caused all these symptoms like mouth breathing at night and anxiety and headaches. And she was talking about how she got evaluated for it. And now she was going through treatment to repair it. And the more she talked about it, the more I thought this sounds exactly like me. So I did a Google search and I found a specialist at the tongue tie laser center of Atlanta. I believe that's the full name and some kind of like red flag things that stood out for me. For one, I have always been a mouth breather. Like my default is just to breathe to my mouth. And it's actually like really hard for me to keep my mouth closed all the way. It's like an effort. Um, and this is something actually that the dentist pointed out when he was talking to me. He's like, I can tell that you're like straining to keep your mouth closed. And so mouth breathing is like number one, because essentially when you are tongue tied, your tongue, normally when it's not tongue tied, your tongue should be strong and sitting on the roof of your mouth. Now, when you're tongue tied, your tongue is getting pulled to the bottom of your mouth and it kind of falls back to your throat and it can block your airway. 
So as a result, your jaw drops and it opens to make room for your tongue so that you can breathe well. Another common symptom of tongue ties, which is what I have, is waking during the night to drink water. I always thought this was because I didn't drink much water during the day, but I've actually have been better over this past year about drinking water during the day. And I'll still wake up in the middle of the night and like chug water. I keep a huge jug of water by my bed and I have to chug. And that's because when you're mouth breathing at night, you're constantly breathing in oxygen and drying out your mouth. So of course you're going to be thirsty. Another common symptom is waking during the night to pee. So when you're mouth breathing, you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. So you're never getting really deep sleep. So one sign is going to be waking up tired, but also waking up to pee because you're never getting into that deep, deep sleep, which is essentially where your bladder should kind of be shutting off and asleep for the night. And so even any sensation of having to go to the bathroom, your body is going to wake you up to do it. Some other symptoms I've had lifelong periodontal disease. So essentially it's gum disease, but it's a little bit deeper. And I've had this, you know, I've regardless of my oral care, like I brush my teeth twice a day. I really do floss once a day. Like I have done gum washes and mouth washes. And no matter what I do, almost every single dentist I've had has always emphasized how I have periodontal disease. And this can be a sign because when you're mouth breathing and you're constantly breathing in oxygen and you're drying out your mouth, you are making your gums more susceptible to infection, essentially. Another common symptom is TMJ. So, you know, if you like grind your teeth and you get a locked jaw, this is something that I experienced really bad as a kid. I don't anymore, but I remember as a kid, there would be times where I literally could not open my mouth more than one or two fingers apart. Like I could barely eat at times because my jaw was so locked up. And then other symptoms that I don't really have, they can include chronic headaches, trouble focusing, waking tired, and snoring is a big one. So just when I started hearing this, I was thinking like, okay, this is definitely me. And if it's causing all of these symptoms long-term, there must be a worse outcome, right? So for a lot of people who are tongue-tied, sleep apnea, which is essentially when we stop breathing for temporary time periods throughout the night, you are at more at risk of having sleep apnea if you are tongue-tied. And sleep apnea can literally take years off of your life. You are at an increased risk of heart attack and stroke. So I'm just trying to be preventative and proactive. This is kind of, I'm just kind of going through like what the first steps for me have been as far as being evaluated for a tongue tie and like what the next steps are. So I went to my first appointment at the tongue tie center. And essentially this is just a consult to be evaluated for a tongue tie. When I first got there, I honestly was expecting to see a doctor. I don't know why, but I saw a dentist, which makes much more sense. And the dentist essentially asked me a series of questions, mostly related to how I sleep, like the position I sleep, the quality of my sleep, but really asked about everything from like neck tension to headaches, to my mood, to my health as a child. It was really great, honestly. You know, as a naturopathic doctor, I'm typically the one asking really in-depth questioning. And usually when I go to the doctor, it's like, you know, they ask three things and I'm out of there. Not that he's a doctor, he's a dentist, but it was nice to see him be so comprehensive. And then he also did a visual exam or basically he just like looked at my mouth, took some measurements and had me do a few exercises to look at the movement and strength of my tongue. 
right away, like within seconds of looking at my mouth, he said, yeah, you definitely have a tongue tie, which I kind of already knew because I had seen pictures and I was like, all right, obviously this is not normal. I really learned so much during this visit. He explained how, you know, when you're tongue tied, because your tongue is getting pulled towards the bottom of your mouth, your tongue isn't sitting on the roof of your mouth, which normally if your tongue is strong and sitting on the roof of your mouth, it's going to help to shape your palate and it's going to help to widen out your jaw. So he was explaining that, you know, I have a lot of crowding. I've done bite, which is essentially like Invisalign to fix the crowding. But he said, essentially, I'm always going to be trying to fix the crowding because my tongue isn't in there to kind of push my teeth out. He also was saying how over time, people who are tongue tied, their faces will become narrow and long. And that's because your face is literally shifting to accommodate the tongue that's blocking your airway. And so people will get more like narrow sinuses because your face is getting more narrow. Um, And so for me, you know, he looked at me, he said, I can tell your face has kind of lengthened to make room for your tongue. And then he also just explained how, you know, because your tongue tie is attached to the bottom of your jaw and those muscles are then attached to your neck, chronic neck tension and shoulder tension is also a symptom of tongue ties. And when you do a tongue tie release, which I'll talk about in a second, that tension can just be alleviated. And I've talked to some people who have done tongue tie release and they said, it's just like a wave came over them afterwards and they just felt like so open, which I am going to do the release and I'm hoping that happens to me. So essentially, you know, once you're evaluated and you find out, yes, you have a tongue tie, there's different severities of a tongue tie. I remember he said it was grade one through four. And I think he said I was grade three four is the worst, but my tongue actually had more movement than most people because essentially the bottom of my mouth was moving more than it should. Like that tissue in my jaw was kind of moving. So even though my tongue was restricted, the tissue was kind of moving with it. So it was kind of like, it was a three, but it had the movement of a two, if that makes any sense. So I, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, you go in, you get the evaluation, you find out you have a tongue tie, Maybe you come back the next day, they do snip, snip, and then you leave. But that is not at all the process. So he recommends, and this is, I think, standard across the board for anyone who's really doing tongue tie corrections the right way. He recommends doing myofunctional therapy with an occupational therapist. So essentially that is regaining mobility and strength in your tongue so that your tongue will sit properly in your mouth and you will breathe correctly and your default will be breathing through your nose. He recommended doing this for anywhere from one to two months before the surgery. And he said that the myofunctional therapist is really the one who makes the call when you're ready for surgery. And that's because you really need to get your tongue in a space where it is safe to do surgery. So for me, because I'm tongue tied, a lot of the like arteries and nerves are congested right underneath my tongue. So the myofunctional therapy will help to kind of open things up and move those important structures backwards because you do have to be awake during the surgery because you actually have to be able to hold your tongue to the roof of your mouth. And you have to hold your tongue to the roof for 45 seconds for 45 minutes. So it's 45 seconds on, you take a break and then you go back on for 45 seconds. Um, So you have to have the strength to hold your tongue up, but then it also has to be structurally safe to actually do the procedure. 
which honestly that part kind of scared me. But I did ask if anybody has lost their ability to speak after the surgery and they said no. So at least there's that. So once you're cleared for the surgery, they'll do what's called a tongue tie release. So instead of just like snipping that skin, they basically open that tissue up underneath your tongue and they'll re-suture it so that you have more room to move your tongue and it's no longer attached. And then following that surgery, you will continue with the myofunctional therapy to continue to regain strength in your tongue and make sure that you're not going to slip back into old patterns of breathing because once they do that tongue tie release, essentially you have more tongue because it's no longer being pulled down. So if you have more tongue, but then your default is to mouth breathe and your tongue slips to the back of your throat, now you just have more tongue blocking your throat and the problem gets worse. So all in all, it ends up being a year process. It's going to be a little bit of a commitment on my end, but I'm excited. I think that, you know, putting it off, there's no point because I'm only getting older. So after that initial consult, I did have my first myofunctional therapy appointment this past week. And this was with the occupational therapist. And at this specific center, it's actually a husband who's the dentist and his wife is the myofunctional therapist or the occupational therapist. So she asked some more questions and had me do more tongue exercises to evaluate how restricted I was. And something interesting she mentioned was that people who are tongue tied tend to like softer foods because it can be tiring for their jaw to chew hard food. So she was asking, you know, do you prefer chicken or steak? And I said, chicken. I've never liked the texture of steak. Do you prefer fish or chicken? And I said, fish. And I've always thought that was because I just loved fish. But she was saying that even as a child, if you're tongue tied, your preferences and what your brain is going to prefer is going to be more towards softer foods because it's just easier to eat. And that was like mind blowing to me. She also pointed out at the end of the visit that during most of the visit, I was literally holding my head up with my hand because of neck tension and fatigue. So with her, I'll be meeting with her weekly until the surgery and then every other week for a few months. And then after that, we'll space visits out more. And basically with each visit, we'll do some exercises. She'll evaluate, you know, how the movement in my tongue has improved and we'll kind of continue to build on from there. Now, one thing that's really popular right now on Instagram, and I definitely jumped on the bandwagon so quick with this, is mouth taping. So if you're not familiar with mouth, mouth taping, essentially it's when you tape your mouth shut at night so that you don't mouth breathe and you breathe through your nose. Now, obviously this can be very unsafe if you are congested or if you have a deviated septum where it stops you from breathing through your nose. So it's not for everyone. And, you know, when I told my dentist that I had already tried it, he said, well, make sure, you know, he was going to say, if you haven't already tried it to try it during the day first. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I want to try mouth taping, do it during the day first, make sure you can breathe. Maybe have somebody with you if that's possible your first night. But mostly online, you'll see people just taping their lips together. And the therapist, occupational therapist, said that that's actually not the best way to do it, at least for me. So she told me to take one long piece of surgical tape and tape it along my jawline the long way, almost like a jock strap. 
and then take two more pieces of tape and kind of tape it from the ends of that original jock strap tape and then tape it up. So essentially you're taping your jaw to lift it up. So you're keeping your jaw closed because even when you tape your lips together, your jaw can still drop open, which I thought was interesting. So I've been doing the two nights and this morning I woke up without the tape on. So I guess I took it off my sleep last night, but I'm hoping that it gets easier to keep on. She also had me get breathe right strips to try to open up my nasal passage to see if that would help because if you're congested or your sinuses are really small, then of course your body is going to have more difficulty breathing through your nose. So that's kind of my journey with it up until now. Like I said, it's going to be a year process. So I'm planning to do my surgery hopefully mid-October is my goal. Just with travel and what I have going on in my life, that timing will be perfect. So I've been super crazy about doing my exercises. Like one exercise she has me doing right now is basically just sticking your tongue in and out straight 10 times and then sticking out to each side 10 times. So I do it when I'm driving around because I feel like it's the easiest time to remember and I just pray that nobody at the stoplight next to me looks at me ever. Um, But that's pretty much what I have to say about my journey up until this point. Um, I am currently reading a book called Breath by, I believe it's James Nectar. And I'm only about halfway through the book, but it basically starts off talking about why our society has become mouth breathers and kind of the benefits of nasal breathing and how it can improve our health long-term, but also improve athletic performance. Another book that I was recommended by the dentist that I saw is Six Foot Tiger, Three Foot Cage. So essentially your tongue is the six foot tiger and your jaw is the three foot cage. So I haven't read it yet, but that's next on my list. So that's really all I have for now. I will do an update every couple months. If you don't care to hear about it, skip on over it. But this stuff is so interesting to me. And it's just wild to me that none of my dentists leading up until now have ever told me I have a tongue tie. Like, I don't understand why this isn't part of every dental evaluation. It really should have been caught in my teen years. And my dentist now was saying how, you know, with orthodontics, you can do orthodontics over and over and over again. But if you have a tongue tie, your teeth are just going to shift back to that crowded positioning. So really my tongue tie should have been corrected before I had braces when I was 13. But here we are. He did recommend that I see an orthodontist after all this is over, so maybe in a year, to help to widen out my jaw because now I will have more tongue and not quite enough space for it. So if you think you have a tongue tie, I would ask your dentist to look next time you're there and if they don't really know what they're looking for, look for potentially a tongue tie specialist near you. I honestly don't know how common they are. I don't know if I'm just super lucky to live in Atlanta and we have one here. He was saying when I met with him that it's really big on the West Coast to get your tongue tie corrected, but it's slowly growing on the East Coast. So depending on where you're at, you may not have access to a tongue tie specialist. And I definitely wouldn't want to do the release with just an average dentist. Like if they're If they're saying, oh yeah, you have a tongue tie and I'll fix it right now, run the other way because I really do understand and see the value in doing the myofunctional therapy before and after. So if you're talking to a dentist about it and they're not recommending that, I would find somebody who is including that in part of the conversation. All right. 
That is all for today. If you have any questions or topic requests, send them to Dr. Danielle, period, ND, and I will see you next Tuesday.